0: Southern California has been through a lot. Should we risk putting our children through the same?
1: Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles. This is the broadcast as heard on LA's KPFK 90.7 FM, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove, out in Pennsylvania. 93 FM WLRI in Lancaster. And out in Hawaii, 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. Course Coast Coast and around the globe on KPFK.org. Streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel on Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation. Radio or not, Radio Free Brooklyn, Grateful Dread Public Radio in Nashville. And of course, Radio Sputnik, five days a week. I am Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me. From bradblog.com, thank you for joining us for what is turning out to be another uh, thrilling, action-packed adventure as we move forward. And as uh, things are changing quickly right here just before airtime, we have a bizarre situation out here today in Los Angeles. Uh, Where the entire L.A. school system has been shut down due to a terror threat, a perceived terror threat, uh, perceived as a credible threat, at least at first, at least out here in Los Angeles, if not elsewhere in the country, if not later in the day. All of it uh, kind of dubious, uh, but affecting a lot of people. An extraordinary moment, extra- extraordinary time out here in Los Angeles. More on that in uh, in just a moment. Also, Desi Doyen and uh, the Green News Report will be joining us later. Desi Doyen, how are you today? I'm doing
2: okay. And are Keeping you surviving
1: busy. Are, uh, uh, the, the fear? The credible terror threats that may be facing us any moment, are you, are you going to survive? I'm, I'm making it okay
2: through this, all right. yes. Thank you for asking. You
1: have plenty of provisions, food, water, shelter. and Duct tape, yes. i got tape. it all. Okay, good. Uh, you, you will, of course, be joining us a little bit later for our roundup, our special coverage following the United Nations climate talks in Paris, which have indeed resulted in an historic agreement for the planet. Uh, in hopes of meeting the challenge of climate change. Uh, very uh, after 21 years, this is a, a a big deal. And so we've been covering it a lot the last couple of weeks. We will cover it in our green news report a little bit later. Also, uh, more Republican election fraud news, a very high elected Republican official. In fact, a Republican election official is now charged uh, with uh, crimes related to election fraud and has now been sentenced. We'll have news on that in a little bit as well. And also, while everyone else uh, in the country now seems to be coming to grips with the fact that Donald Trump could be the Republican nominee, something we have told you pretty much from day one, Uh, You know, I've told you that I couldn't see anything that will would stop Donald Trump at this point from becoming the nominee. I've been saying that for months now. So everyone else is finally realizing, oh, yeah, he really could be the nominee. Well, now I see something that could possibly. And I underscore possibly, possibly keep him from becoming the nominee, possibly possibly. Uh, I finally see a way that Donald Trump could be toppled. So hopefully we'll have some uh, time for for that a little bit later since everything is getting shuffled about today thanks to this breaking news out of L.A. So let's get to that. The L.A. Unified School District out here where we are is the second largest school district in the nation. It has some 640,000 students from kindergarten through 12th grade. It has more than 900 schools. It has 187 public charter schools across L.A. County. It's, It's huge. It's a huge district. It spans some 720 square miles, including L.A. and all or part of more than 30 smaller cities and unincorporated areas out here. Today... The school district was shut down. The L.A. Unified School District, L.A. U.S.D., was shut down in its entirety after a school board member reportedly received an emailed threat that raised fears of another attack, like the deadly shooting in nearby San Bernardino, which was just two weeks ago, almost to the day now. Uh, as we noted two weeks ago during our coverage, our live coverage uh, that day of that shooting, San Bernardino is just about an hour here east of uh, where we are in Los Angeles. But in truth, uh, it's really, if you've ever been out to L.A., it's now just kind of one big urban sprawl. What happens in San Bernardino may as well have been happening right here in L.A. Uh, because it's all just one and the same. You sort of jump on uh, the 10, as we call it. Uh, and you drive a, a, not even an hour and you're in San Bernardino. And uh, and so it could have been happening right here in Los Angeles. We're, we're feeling it in L.A. the way they were feeling it in San Bernardino two weeks ago. And uh, so therefore, it's maybe it's understandable that folks are jittery out here, to say the least, following those shootings two weeks ago. But it's also understandably there are questions now about the legitimacy of this threat and the unprecedented step of shutting down not just one or two schools for a, you know, for a threat, for a bomb threat, but the entire system in this particular, uh, in this particular circumstance. Uh, Here's the explanation for the shutdown of LAUSD today, this morning, from school superintendent Ramon Cortines at one of several press conferences uh, that were, that have been held throughout the day, this morning and this afternoon. Here's. L.A. School Superintendent Ramon Cortinez explaining the situation.
3: Uh, I made the decision to close the schools. That was after talking to uh, the chief deputy superintendent, uh, the chief of police, of school police, uh, and after uh, they reviewed with me the information that had been shared with them based on... uh, past circumstances I could not take the chance as it relates to one student or our staff that serve our students. We are doing everything possible to make sure that children are safe but that also students and parents understand that the precautions we are taking are done in a calming way are done in a way that is in the best interest of everybody uh, in this particular city. Uh, Somebody has sent information that leads us to pause and make sure that we are safe, that our children and our staff are safe.
1: That was uh, L.A. County, uh, or I should say L.A. U.S.D., Superintendent School Superintendent Ramon Cortines, uh, within the past hour or so, a-, a district spokesperson said that the threat in this case that they were reacting to uh, was sent by email, as I said, to a school board member. It was believed to have come from an IP address in Frankfurt, Germany. However, law enforcement, a little bit later in the day, said, well, the, well, the person who made the threats uh, could have masked their location and that the origin is now believed to be much closer than Germany. According to one official uh, reported by uh, AP, I believe, authorities did not offer much more information on the threat initially, saying it was still being evaluated. But we've been learning a bit more about the nature of the threat throughout the morning, and I hope to be speaking shortly with Ernesto Arce. He's the news director here at KPFK, our flagship station in Los Angeles. Uh, But other cities apparently also received a similar threat, if not the identical threat, including New York City, which, unlike L.A., quickly decided that the threat was a hoax. New York Mayor Bill de Blasio told reporters he was quote absolutely convinced there was no danger to school children in his city. He said quote there was nothing credible about the threat; it was so outlandish," said Mayor de Blasio in New York. Here's New York Police Chief Bill Bratton uh, earlier today. We we'll affirm that uh, we
0: do have an investigation underway, but it's an investigation into a hoax, which we uh, strongly believe that. The email that was received in New York City, which is uh, similar and was received in other locales, specifically Los Angeles. We believe that the email originated overseas. The language in the email uh, would lead us to believe that uh, this is not a jihadist initiative. For example, that uh, Allah was not spelled with a capital A. That would be incredible to think that any jihadist would uh, not. Spell Allah with a capital A.
1: That was uh, New York Police Chief William Bratton. He once ran the L.A. Police Department, uh, saying that he believes this entire thing is a hoax. They did not close school in New- in New York City, unlike out here in Los Angeles. Nonetheless, uh, officials here in L.A. as of uh, this afternoon uh, are standing by their decision to suddenly shut down more than 900 schools. Quote, out of an abundance of caution. Here's Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti today speaking about the
4: threat. The decision to close the schools is not mine to make, but it is mine to support as mayor of the city of Los Angeles. Uh, Since San Bernardino, we have seen whether it was our colleagues there who asked for the help of the Los Angeles Police Department as that shooting unfolded or this morning when LAUSD reached out to the Los Angeles Police Department and the city of LA for assistance. We are here because our first job is to ensure that people are safe in this city. It is very easy for people to jump to conclusions and I've been around long enough to know that usually what people think in the first few hours is not necessarily how it plays out in later hours. We see investigations unfold sometimes for a series of days, but decisions need to be made in a matter of minutes. We will continue. Uh, to hope that this is nothing and that our children can be back at school tomorrow. But as a parent and as a mayor, certainly I'm here to support uh, this school district as it seeks our help to ensure that we can look at each one of these campuses and make sure that they are safe for all of our children. Um, And an abundance of caution is something that I think all of us who have children appreciate. My number one priority is keeping this city safe. And one last thing I would say to the people of LA, whether this pans out as something that could have happened or not, and we might not ever be able to conclude that definitively, I do not want people to say, because sometimes things don't result in a shooting or don't result in a foiled plot, to not speak up and to not speak out. We need to continue to have people, if you see something, say something.
1: If you see something, say something. And, uh, well, apparently you can scare the hell out of a lot of people when you do. 900 schools shut down in Los Angeles today. Based on this email threat, that was L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti. Uh, L.A. Police Chief Charlie Beck also responded to critics of shutting down the entire district in response to a single emailed threat, or at least a single emailed threat as far as we now know. Uh, here were the uh, and I should say that email threat from a questionable uh, provenance at this point we don't know where it came from if it's legitimate if it came from Germany if it came from closer or anywhere else uh, in any in any effect uh, here is LA police chief Charlie Beck uh, talking about uh, this decision and responding to uh, to critics of the uh, of the school shutdown the superintendent
0: uh, made a decision. We support his decision, as, as does the mayor. Uh, I would say this to people that, that are critical. It is very easy, in hindsight, to criticize the decision based on results that the decider could never have known. It is also very easy to criticize a decision when you have no responsibility for the outcome of that decision. The school district safeguards three-quarters of a million lives every day. When they make a decision, they have to take into account the safety of the children of Los Angeles. I think it's irresponsible, based on facts that have yet to be determined, to criticize that decision at this point. All of us make tough choices. All of us have the same goal in mind. We want to keep our kids safe. These are tough times. These communities, our community, Southern California, has been through a lot in the recent weeks. Should we risk putting our children through the same?
1: That was L.A. Police Chief Charlie Beck responding to critics of the school shutdown today across all of Los Angeles, the largest, second largest school district in the nation. Brian Levin, a terror expert at Cal State San Bernardino, told the L.A. Times that uh, this kind of closure is unprecedented and could embolden others to make future threats. And I guess that's one of the reasons, uh, one of the reasons why some are critical of the shutdown, because I think you maybe you're sending the message, hey, I know how to completely disrupt uh, one of the largest metropolitan areas in the entire country without firing a shot or lighting a fuse. In any event, Brian Levin, that terror expert at Cal State San Bernardino, said that in today's environment, it makes sense to err on the side of safety, even though they almost always are hoaxes. That's what he told the L.A. Times. Uh, And just before airtime here, Congressman Adam Schiff, uh, which uh, of, of Burbank, Democratic congressman out here in L.A., he now says that he believes that the threat was indeed a hoax. Uh, according to this is uh, from uh, the L.A. Times just in uh, the uh, Adam Schiff, said, Schiff said in his statement, the preliminary assessment is that it was a hoax or something designed to disrupt school districts in large cities. The investigation is ongoing as to where the threat originated from and who was responsible. Another local congressman, Brad Sherman, who we have had on this program, said that the also a Democrat uh, out from the Sherman Oaks area. He said that the person who sent the email threat to several L.A. Unified School Board members uh, claimed to be, quote, an extremist Muslim who has teamed up with local jihadists, unquote, according to. Congressman Sherman he said quote the email makes relatively specific and wide-ranging threats to Los Angeles schools. Uh, Sherman is a a senior member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee and uh, and I should have noted Adam Schiff is um, a member of the uh, House Intelligence Committee. Sherman, who apparently got a look at the email, uh, says that, uh, quote, the text of the email does not demonstrate that the author has studied Islam or has any particular understanding of Islam. The only thing known, Sherman said, was that the email, quote, was sent by an evil person. The email also mentioned explosive devices, assaults, rifles and pistols. So that's where we are. That brings us uh, largely up to date as we go to air. Joining us now for uh, the latest, if there is any uh, any additional information, is KPFK News Director Ernesto Arce. Uh, Ernesto, welcome back to the broadcast, my friend.
5: Thank you for having me on, Brad.
1: Sure. Uh, okay. Uh, there's been a number of news conferences this morning. Uh, now more and more people seem to be suggesting this entire thing was a hoax. Uh, Ernesto, ha- have officials released that actual email that caused all of this trouble across L.A. today? Uh, and are they still standing by uh, w- their decision, as far as you know, to shut down the entirety of the L.A. school system?
5: Yeah, from what we know now, it appears that uh, authorities, including the Los Angeles Unified School District, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, and the LAPD, took extraordinary caution in, uh, after having received this threat. And I understand that the threat was emailed to all the Los Angeles uh, Unified School District board members. Mm. Um, and uh, my understanding is that, um, that yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was a threat. That uh, even one Congress member, um, Brad Sherman, went so far as to say was a very credible threat, and um, I think uh, Superintendent Ramon Cortines uh, made that decision to say, you know what, let's take the cautionary route and let's uh, let's close all schools, which, as you mentioned, over 900 campuses, including you know traditional public schools and charters and adult school centers, um, and, which of course affects about 700,000 students, um, and has. has required a change of plans from, you know, over a million people who have been affected by this, whether it be parents, guardians, um, uh, teachers, and staff members, as well as students, of course. Um, at, at this time, the Los Angeles Uni- uh, the Los Angeles Unified School District Police, in collaboration with the LAPD and L.A. County Sheriff's Department and the FBI, have probably gone through about half the sites now, a little bit over half. Uh, the last time I checked on the wire, it was about a little bit over a third of all school campuses had been thoroughly checked. So um, so there's there's that.
1: So they're, and, they're um, actually, Ernesto, when, Ernesto, they're actually going school by school, looking at each as more than 900 schools in the system, uh, actually over, uh, I think, almost a 1,000 when you include the uh, charter schools. Are they actually going through each sure. and every school to search for something, packages or backpacks or something?
5: And it's not just one team, but it's uh, you know every Mm -hmm. school, of course, has a uh, a, either an LAUSD um, school officer that's assigned to that school, or usually more than one campus security as well. And of course, the local APD and or LA County Sheriff's Department that are assigned to that area are checking out every single individual school. And that was the mandate that was given by. um, uh, lausd superintendent Simon cortinez earlier today so yeah they're going through just about every single school uh... the wire keeps uh... updating us on each um i guess each geographic area across the district so for example the west uh... you know the west hollywood area mm-hmm. was was completely uh... searched and and given the okay uh... an area um just you know around the west lake macarthur park area was thoroughly searched and that was uh... given the okay so um... you know it does appear at this point that it was um uh, I, I guess you, you don't want to call something as serious as a terrorist threat, a hoax, but um, it's it's definitely, um, you know, maybe not uh, as credible a threat as, um, you know, as people were saying earlier this
1: morning. Well, Adam uh, Schiff, Congressman Adam Schiff, is in fact uh, saying that the preliminary assessment is that it was a hoax. Uh, and, and, but it, it kind of underscores that, you know, you don't have to carry out actual terror, I guess. For people to be terrorized, um, because that's what's happening, and, and you know, and to affect a huge re- region, uh, Ernesto Arce, you you noted that uh, more than a million people are affected. Now, last that you and I spoke on air, Ernesto, was uh, almost exactly two weeks ago. You were on the ground in San Bernardino right after the shootings there, and I think it was just before the. Uh, Two alleged shooters uh, were cornered and killed by police. I asked you at the time if you'd seen anything like that in your uh, more than a decade of covering the city. I'm going to need to rely on your long background here in Los Angeles again. Have we ever had a situation like this where the entire L.A. school system or even more than one or two schools uh, was shut down in this way?
5: It's unprecedented to put it that way. This is an unprecedented case. It's never happened before that uh, a terrorist or uh, or any type of significant threat to children and, and, and students and staff of the LA Unified School District required the shutdown of the entire district. It's never happened before. As a matter of fact, it's never even happened before during the, uh, the Whittier or Northridge earthquakes. In 1971, they were mentioning that uh, most of the schools were shut down, but some still actually uh, you know, went on teaching classes. So this is um, uh, this has just never happened before, and it uh, it you know it goes to show you just how uh, you know frayed people's nerves were after the San Bernardino shooting, mm. and um, and yeah, just how talk of any type of you know uh, you know Muslim fundamentalist inspired jihad or terrorist attack is very much on the minds of a lot of people, which you know, brings me to another note that I want to mention real quick. Yeah. The LA County Board of Supervisors, um, led by Hilda I introduced a motion this morning uh, urging residents to reject stereotypes that have led to hate and bigotry against individuals who had nothing to do, quote-unquote, with this senseless violence, according to Hilda Solis. Um And, of course, she's grown very concerned in regards to um, over 100 attacks and hate incidents uh, targeting Muslims or those perceived to be Muslim or Middle Eastern. And um, that includes not just a firebombing of a mosque in um, uh, in Coachella, but it also included a um, a vandalized uh, Sikh temple or a gudwara uh, in Buena Park in Orange County, which included a profanity-laced message against ISIS spray-painted on a truck in the temple's parking lot. So, you know, we're dealing now with, you know, mass hysteria, I guess you can you can describe it as, but also a lot of ignorance, where people are attacking anyone who is perceived to be, you know, from that e- region of the mm-hmm. Middle East or, or East Asian, uh, you know, obviously Sikhs wear turbans that, uh, to some people, appear very fundamentalist, uh, you know, associated with fundamentalist Muslims, and it's is a completely different religion <laughs> totally but, different religion you know, we have that ignorance that's very prevalent yeah and it's it's sad ernesto um, you said that you 100,
1: know, uh, 100 incidents that was in uh, california in southern california alone 100 uh, I- incidents uh anti-muslim incidents uh in, in yeah just, oh,
5: uh, let's clarify that that's uh, over 150 reports of hate crimes and or hate incidents which might might mean not an actual verbal or physical attack, mm-hmm. but either some some sort of incident where there was hate speech involved or an actual threat, um, and that came from CARE, the Council on American Islamic Relations um, Southern California office that's located in Anaheim.
1: You have so met- that's
5: that's just uh, and that was the last report, which was actually over the weekend. So if you can imagine so you know, you, how, the, how bad the situation is.
1: You you had mentioned uh, earlier, uh, Ernesto Arce, that you had a, a friend who, whose mother was terrified about the situation following San Bernardino, but not because she was afraid of Muslim terrorism. In fact, she is Muslim, and so she is concerned she about is attacks Muslim, yeah. against her.
5: Yeah, that's a Facebook friend of mine, Munira Sharif Gardezi. And she actually wrote that uh, her, mo- her mother was suffering heart palpitations and anxiety attacks mm. for three days, uh, didn't stop as a result of her fear that her children, her community, her grandchildren were just not safe in this environment. A very hostile, um, you know, just rage-filled environment that's re- really targeting uh, innocent Muslims, innocent uh, people that are following a religion that... Um, you know that is now perceived to be viol- violent or more violent than any other fundamentalist religion, and um, she just was was very concerned about that. And actually, her mother-in-law um, attended attended the the mosque in, in Coachella that was firebombed. Uh, and I'm underst- my understanding is that that suspect was apprehended pretty quickly. But it's um, it's a scary situation for a lot of people. You know, now you've got kids who are now questioning, well, what happened today? Why couldn't I go to school? You know, for a lot of kids, they're in finals week uh, right before they go on, on winter break. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's you know, disconcerting for a lot of people, a lot of people who, mm. you know, are innocent, hardworking, you know, honest people who, um, you know, are now got a lot of ideas filling their heads about, you know, just how safe are we? Um, you know, are, are these threats, uh, are they credible? Uh, you know, how, how fearful and should I be for my child's safety?
1: So, um, well you don't have to is that, yeah you, you don't have to carry out an actual attack uh, as i noted uh, for people to be terrorized yeah, exactly. and that's what seems to be happening yeah. here uh very quickly i got to let you go ernesto but is there any word now if schools will reopen tomorrow are we are are they scheduled to be open tomorrow in uh, los angeles at this point
5: Yeah, so about 35, 40 minutes ago, uh, another Los Angeles or Southern California news outlet had reported that schools would be closed for the entire week. But uh, then the latest information, I I tried double-checking that, Mm -hmm. and it it appears that they will open up tomorrow. But um, that hasn't been confirmed either way, if if schools will be closed for the entirety of the week or whether they'll open up tomorrow. But one thing's for sure, I mean, things are all shut down for today.
1: Unbelievable. Uh, and of course, that other news outlet that we can't confirm is not nearly as reliable as KPFK, uh, where Ernesto Arce is our news director uh, at our flagship station here in Los Angeles at KPFK. Ernesto, thank you for checking in on this. Right. Uh, always good to talk to you, my friend. Uh, and while I hope to do it again soon, I kind of hope we don't because it seems like there's always something bad going on when we, ch- when we chat on air. Uh, and anyway, uh,
5: definitely. Maybe one of these days we'll have some good news.
1: Thank you. Keep looking. We'll take it, uh, Ernesto Arce. Uh, thank you. Good uh, talking to you, and uh, we will talk again soon, my friend. Thank you. Thanks, Brad. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with uh, more broadcast as we get reset. What a day! I'm Brad Friedman, and this is your broadcast. Don't touch that dial. <laughs> Yes, she's a maniac, and the maniac we're talking about is Ted Cruz. We'll see if we can get to that as everything is uh, pushed back a little bit uh, due to events on the ground here in Los Angeles. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Before we get to that, I want to make sure we get to this. Uh, In 2008, Crawford v. Marion County, it's a case that went all the way to the Supreme Court uh, th- it is the only time that a uh, photo ID restriction law, a, a a restriction for voting, that you have to have a photo ID, it's the only time such a case made it all the way to the Supreme Court uh, and was heard... Uh, and, and really was heard in any way. The court at that time, back in 2008, it was a case out of Indiana. Indiana was the first state in the union to pass these photo ID voting restrictions that required only a handful, a very small handful of government-issued IDs uh, that would be allowed, that you would have to show if you wanted to vote at the polling place didn't necessarily affect uh, 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 absentee ballot, absentee voting, where more uh, where much more voter fraud actually occurs. But at the polling place where it could potentially keep more legitimate voters from being able to cast their vote, then it would actually stop fraudulent voters. As a matter of fact, a polling place uh, fraud ...of that sort is exceedingly rare. In any case, this case went all the way to the uh, to the Supreme Court, and they approved the use of photo ID in this one case in Indiana, essentially finding that as the law was applied in Indiana at the time, there was enough ways for voters to get the very strict type of government-issued photo ID required by the law and so that it, it did not appear to be unconstitutional. But we've never really heard a case on photo ID on its merits. Nonetheless, they, uh, the photo ID law in, uh, in Indiana was allowed to move forward back in 2008, and since the Supreme Court in 2013 gutted the Voting Rights Act, Republicans have rushed to put in place uh, very similar, even more draconian photo ID restrictions on voting. Now, uh, in the case of uh, Crawford v. Marion County, it only applied at the time, as I said, to Indiana and that they were allowed to carry out their version of the law. These other laws that are being passed around the country, we still are going to decide whether they are constitutional. There are a lot of a lot of those cases still moving forward. But since the case, since Crawford in 2008... The Reagan-appointed and much-revered conservative appellate court judge, a guy by the name of Richard Posner, he is uh, said to be the most quoted uh, uh, appellate court judge, by the way, uh, by the Supreme Court. Uh, Since then, that judge, Richard Posner, has had time to look at how these laws are actually being applied around the country, And Richard Posner concluded that he got it wrong back in Crawford uh, v. Marion County when he allowed that photo ID uh, law restriction law to move forward at all in Indiana. In an appellate challenge uh, last year to Wisconsin's own attempt to enact a strict photo ID law, Posner concluded that such laws... Are grossly unconstitutional and illegal, he wrote in his opinion, quote, there is only one motivation for imposing burdens on voting that are ostensibly designed to discourage voter impersonation fraud. If there is no actual danger of such fraud, because voter impersonation fraud is so rare, uh, so there is, can only be one motivation for imposing those burdens, and that is to discourage voting by persons likely to vote against the party responsible for imposing the burdens. In other words, Posner said, this is about Republicans trying to keep legitimate voters from voting, not uh, trying to prevent voter fraud as they pretend. And remember, Richard Posner was is a Republican, was appointed by Reagan. He's very, very conservative and respected jurist. In-person, voter impersonation fraud is extraordinarily rare. And while some opponents of uh, photo ID laws uh, like to make the mistake of saying there is no such thing as voter fraud, there is voter fraud. It just almost never happens by someone showing up at the polling place claiming to be someone who they are not. And that is the only type of voter fraud that could possibly be deterred by photo ID restrictions. Nonetheless, the GOP continues to pretend that we need these type of laws, even though, uh, for example, Texas's version of the law, which is still being challenged, was determined after weeks of, uh, of trial initially to be un- an unconstitutional poll tax, to be a violation of the Voting Rights Act, et cetera, et cetera. It was also determined that the law in Texas, by the way, could disenfranchise as many as 600,000 already legally registered voters and more than 1 million currently unregistered but eligible voters but voter impersonation at the polling place is extraordinarily rare and yet that is the only type of law, uh, only type of fraud the only type of election fraud that can possibly be stopped by photo id but it does occur voter fraud does occur uh usually it's absentee voter fraud if anything election fraud occurs insiders gaming the system Uh, hackers can get access to the election systems and so forth. So, yeah, fraud occurs, just not the type that the uh, GOP claims occurs. In Kansas, for example, Secretary of State Chris Kobach, the Republican Secretary of State there who ran on the notion of stopping voter fraud, he has been unable to find almost any fraud since taking office back in 2010, running on the premise of stopping voter fraud. But he has now been granted prosecution power. He's the only secretary of state in the country to have the power to actually to actually indict someone. Usually that's the AG, the attorney general or a state or county prosecutors who are able to bring fraud charges. Now, since getting that power, Chris Kobach in Kansas, uh, he's brought charges against just three people. They were all Republican voters. Two were a married couple moving to Arkansas who voted absentee in one state and then at the polls in Kansas. They were moving down to Arkansas, and so they didn't know. And they claim, of course, that they made a mistake. They didn't know they couldn't vote uh, in both places. They never voted for the same person more than once because this wasn't a presidential election. So they voted for totally different people. And yet, this is who Chris Kobach is going after. That sort of that sort of person, double voting uh, in two different states, even which is illegal. But it would not be stopped by pulling place photo ID that would keep people from being, keep legitimate voters from being able to cast their vote. But meanwhile, back in Indiana, where the first photo ID restriction law in the nation was approved by a judge who now believes that he made a mistake. There was at least one notorious case of voter fraud that took place since the passage of that law, and it was by their Republican secretary of state, that's right, their Republican Secretary of State, Charlie White. He voted in a district where he didn't live, which is illegal, which is voter fraud. In 2012, he was found guilty of three counts of felony voter fraud and three other Class D felonies. He was removed from office. The first Secretary of State in the state of Indiana after they uh, enacted their photo ID law. Republican Secretary of State. Charlie White, the chief election official in Indiana, committed voter fraud himself and he was booted out of office. And no, by the way, the photo ID law in Indiana didn't stop him from carrying out his voter fraud. And now we have another case in New Mexico. We've got yet another Republican secretary of state who has now pled guilty to fraud in this case, uh, election fraud in this case, it was New Mexico Secretary of State Diana Duran, who had, like Kansas's Chris Kobach, been a longtime voter fraud fraudster, claiming there was massive voter fraud going on. That uh, you know meant the state needed to be, have a more strict ID uh, restrictions for voting. Well, anyway, she was charged over the summer with sixty-four criminal counts related to embezzlement, fraud, money laundering, laundering violations of the Campaign Practice Act, tampering with public records, conspiracy, and a government, a governmental uh, conduct act violation in New Mexico. Apparently, she had taken hundreds of thousands of dollars out of her campaign account at casinos around the state and gamble away the funds uh, and even lied about who was the treasurer of her campaign. She had listed a former New Mexico uh, elected official who didn't even know that he had been listed as the treasurer. In any event, uh, Duran was the first Republican secretary of state to be elected in New Mexico since the 1920s. And she has now struck a plea agreement with prosecutors. Uh, the prosecutors did not recommend jail time for some reason in this case uh, to the uh, to the sentencing judge, but that judge apparently was not happy with such a highly placed elected official. Uh, in fact, the state's chief election official. Carrying out this type of fraud, and that judge decided that she did deserve at least some jail time as part of her sentence. He sentenced her to 25 days and is requiring her to run through a gauntlet of apologies throughout the state over the next several years. Here's how Rachel Maddow reported the judge's sentencing last night.
6: State prosecutors had recommended no jail time for her, but the judge in her case basically decided to throw the book at her. In addition to a 30-day jail sentence, Diana Duran has also been ordered to repay $14,000 to individual campaign contributors whose money she embezzled for personal use. The judge also ordered her to write a letter of apology to each contributor, and then she has to hand deliver each of those letters. (laughs) Plus, she has to write a letter of apology to the people of New Mexico, which is to be published in no fewer than six publications across that state. She will also be required to give four public appearances at schools or civic groups every month for the next three years to talk about what she has done. Four a month for three years. That means she'll be doing more than 140 public apology tour appearances, at least by order of the court. But If she chooses not to withdraw her guilty plea, she will be reporting to jail at the end of this week. She'll be starting her jail sentence on Friday. And then all of the other restitution and apologies will start after the jail sentence and continue for three years at least.
1: Well, there you go. Some accountability for the Republican secretary of state, Diana Duran, in uh, in New Mexico. She joins uh, fellow Republican secretary of state. Charlie White in Indiana in being run out of her job for uh, for carrying out election fraud. And once again, it is Republicans who are carrying out all of this election fraud. Not all of it. It happens occasionally with the Democrats as well. But since it's. Republicans who are out there claiming that Democrats are carrying out voter fraud that they are not carrying out, at least not the type that happens at the polling place, at least not the type that would be stopped by polling place photo ID restrictions that keep far, far more legitimate voters from being able to cast their vote than they could possibly deter fraudulent votes. Since it always seems like it's Republicans doing this, uh, well, there you go. We got another case. Republican Secretary of State uh, in New Mexico, tossed out of office, found guilty uh, of election fraud in New Mexico, found guilty of voter fraud in Indiana, and of course in Kansas. It's the uh, Republican Secretary of State, Chris Kobach, who is uh, bringing charges against voters. That have nothing to do with photo ID restrictions, although those voters also happen to be Republicans, for whatever that's worth. All right, just wanted to get that out there. Now moving on to uh, man, uh, Senator Ted Cruz. T- Ted Cruz is uh is is the only one uh, who did not drop off, who did not uh lose popularity. In the immediate aftermath of Donald Trump entering the race, I noticed this. I don't care if I talked about it at the time. But at the time, Donald Trump came into the race. A lot of uh, the other candidates took shots at them. At him, Ted Cruz did not. And Ted Cruz, his numbers actually ticked up a little bit while everyone else's came down when they moved over to start supporting Donald Trump. And he has refused, Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz from Texas, has refused to criticize Donald Trump ever since, from the beginning. He, he, he's just, you know, been nice to him all along. And now he's leading by quite a bit in, uh, in, in Iowa, Do, uh, uh, Ted Cruz is. He's finally uh, lapped Donald Trump, who Donald Trump leads everywhere else in all of the national polls by a mile. But now Ted Cruz is winning in Ohio. Now, I've uh, noted many times since Trump got in the race that I see nothing that might take him down. I, I didn't know how he was going to be stopped. I still don't know. Well, now I might see something. I might see something that could bring him down. While Ted Cruz is notoriously unlikable uh, according to people who know him, according to his own Senate colleagues that reportedly hate him, Republican Senate colleagues who hate him, even his his college roommate hated him a lot, both then and now. And uh, for example, here's a quote from uh, uh, Cruz's uh, roommate back at Princeton. He said this in 2013 about Ted Cruz. He said, you know, I want to be clear because Ted Cruz is a nightmare of a human being. I have plenty of problems with his politics, but truthfully, his personality is so awful that 99 percent of why I hate him is just his personality. He said if he agreed with me on every issue, I would hate him only one percent less. That was Craig Mazin, uh, who's now a screenwriter out in Hollywood. Uh, He was uh, roommates with Ted Cruz back at Princeton. But while as unlikable uh, as Ted Cruz is to people that actually know him, he is adored by the far right, especially in far right talk radio land. And now they don't like it that Donald Trump, who is facing a real challenge from Ted Cruz in Iowa, Trump... uh, is actually now has some competition at least in iowa so he was on fox news sunday with chris wallace donald trump was he was asked about ted cruz after being very nice to him for all of these weeks and months trump finally took a fairly mild shot at ted cruz i don't
3: think he's qualified to be president why not because i don't think he has the right temperament i don't think he's got the right judgment
0: what's wrong with this temperament Well, you
3: look at the way he's dealt with the senate where he goes in there like a you know frankly like a little bit of a maniac you're not never going to get things done that way look i built a phenomenal business i'm worth many many billions of dollars i have some of the greatest assets anywhere in the world you can't walk into the senate and scream and call people liars and not be able to cajole and get along with people he'll never get anything done and that's the problem with ted
1: Now there's Donald Trump taking a shot at Ted Cruz for not getting along with people, for calling people liars. All right. Well, apparently that was a bridge too far. Uh, Right wing talk radio, uh, including Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, Mark Levin, they are absolutely going ballistic at Donald Trump attacking Ted Cruz. They've loved Donald Trump up to now, but apparently this is a bridge too far on Monday Uh, Both Mark Levin and Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity criticized Trump uh, for calling Ted Cruz a maniac who could not work with his Senate colleagues. Limbaugh described Trump's negative comments about Trump as a, quote, huge mistake. A genuine conservative, even in the Republican field, would not go after Cruz this way said Rush Limbaugh. So that just raised a red flag for me, made me somewhat curious. Uh, Mark Levin uh, was furious about this as well. He said that uh, all conservatives who support Cruz are against McConnell, that uh, majority leader Mitch McConnell, that he's the real maniac, not Ted Cruz. Defending the GOP ruling class and lurching left are dumb tactics. That's what he said Trump just did, was lurching left by pointing out that Ted Cruz is kind of a maniac. Uh, and uh, so he said Mitch McConnell's the maniac. John McCain is the maniac. Lindsey Graham is the maniac, not Ted Cruz. And, of course, Sean Hannity also criticized Donald Trump on his radio uh, show for attacking Cruz, noting that conservatives love The Texas senator. So while I saw nothing, nothing that could possibly take Donald Trump down at this point, now I see something that possibly, possibly could. And that is right wing talk radio. Because they are they represent the Republican id, period. And if right wing radio, right wing talk radio goes against Donald Trump. Well, now, now donald trump could really be in trouble if that happens that remains a big if but that is something to watch for those of you who are wondering how and if donald trump can ever be knocked off his throne if he's going to be knocked off his throne it's probably going to be right-wing talk radio so we'll keep our eyes on it a quick break and we're back with desi Doyne and the green news report and more right here on your broadcast stay tuned (laughs) Hey, Desi Doyen, maybe we won't be melting for you soon. What? Yeah, maybe the agreement in Paris will make a difference.
2: Kind of and like a, a dentist whose patients uh, they put him out of business because he's so good. <laughs>
1: well, or because they lose, uh, he loses all his teeth. I don't know which or one. Like yeah, that. it could be. <laughs> Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from BradBlog.com. A very big week, of course, following the uh, UN climate conference in Paris, and therefore. It is our special coverage on our latest Green News Report.
4: Out to the room, I
6: see
5: that the the, the reaction is positive. I see no objections. The Paris Agreement is adopted.
2: Green News Report special coverage. United Nations Climate Talks, an historic agreement for the planet and human civilization to meet the challenge of climate change.
1: Our Green News Report Paris Agreement special coverage. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent Green News, politics, analysis, and snarky comment.
4: Our work here and now give future generations cleaner air and cleaner water and a more sustainable planet.
1: Yeah, but if climate change is a hoax, all that clean air and clean water will be a total waste of time. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, it seemed like it would never happen. It seemed like 200 nations could never come together to agree on anything, much less agree unanimously to curb greenhouse gases that cause global warming. Is it my imagination, or is this an historic moment?
2: Oh, it's definitely historic, and of course, what happens after will determine just how historic. And you're right, nearly 200 nations voted unanimously on Saturday for the landmark Paris Agreement. It's a framework for global action over coming decades to cut the greenhouse gas emissions that cause dangerous global warming. At the White House, President Obama acknowledged that the accord by itself won't solve climate change, but he called it a turning point in world history
4: this agreement represents the best chance we've had to save the one planet that we've got this agreement sends a powerful signal that the world is firmly committed to a low-carbon future and that has the potential to unleash investment and innovation in clean energy at a scale we have never seen before so I believe this moment can be a turning point for the world.
2: So what was agreed to? For the first time ever, all countries commit to limit global temperatures to, quote, well below a threshold of 2 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial times and to pursue efforts aiming for 1.5 degrees Celsius. That's a target that was thought to be politically impossible just weeks ago. So while a target of 1.5 degrees Celsius is still dangerous, it is less risky than 2 degrees Celsius, and it will still be very challenging to meet. Countries agreed to peak emissions as soon as possible, ramping down to zero carbon emissions by the end of the century. And all nations have agreed to report on their progress every five years and to ratchet up their targets according to their capabilities. Rich nations will assist with financing, mobilizing private investment, and also contributing at least $100 billion to a global climate fund to help developing nations build renewable energy infrastructure and to prepare for the consequences of climate change. The deal, once ratified, is legally binding, but the targets themselves are not. That was an incentive to be ambitious without fear of punishment should countries fall short. And for the U.S., voluntary avoids review by the U.S. Senate.
1: So So this treaty moves forward with the signature of the president with or without the U.S. Senate, with or without the climate change deniers that now run Congress.
2: That's exactly right. In Paris, Secretary of State John Kerry called on the private sector to step up with innovation.
0: We are sending literally a critical message to the global marketplace because of 186 nations saying to global business in one loud voice, We need to move in this direction, and that will move investment.
2: According to climate scientist Michael Mann, author of the famous hockey stick graph on the broadcast this week, now the hard work really begins.
5: It's difficult to actually understate the significance of this agreement. I think we are witnessing the end of the age of fossil fuels and the beginning of a new age of uh, a clean global energy economy. There's no question it's going to require dramatic action Um, uh, this is just the beginning. The hard work is ahead. Uh, It is doable. Um, It's physically possible. And I think there's evidence that we are starting to garner uh, the will.
1: Michael Mann told me he was very optimistic about the future, optimistic, happy, obviously, about this agreement. But it's still a question of political will, he points out. And right now in this country, in the middle of a presidential election, when you have every single Republican candidate Is a climate change denier? All I can say is it's a good thing that this agreement does not count on the Republicans to move forward. Instead, we count on the rest of the world for sanity, apparently.
2: And keep in mind that because it's voluntary, the next president could very well dismantle it. This is not just a crossroads for this country. This is a crossroads for the
1: world. Well, a path, as they say, is built one stone at a time. One great big stone was laid in this path in Paris after 21 years of work. Let's see if we can build on it from here. For much more on our special coverage today and the rest of the stories we didn't have time for, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com Don't forget, you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman And I'm Desi Doyne. And this has been your Green News Report.
2: Here comes the sun. Doo-doo-doo. Here comes the sun and I say it's all right. Little darling, it's beat
1: up You're tearing up a little bit there, aren't you? <laughs> You're tearing well, up a little uh, bit. No, with that. not right now. Yeah? But yeah,
2: it was actually a very emotional yeah. moment. And uh, if, you know, I watched the press conference live when they announced this, when they gaveled this uh, agreement mm-hmm. into being, and everybody was crying, everybody was shouting. It was a big deal.
1: It is a big deal. We'll see if it. Uh, it's a big deal that they made this agreement. We'll see if it actually works. We'll, we'll see if, if we it's the actual inflection the, point. Uh, the curve, yeah.
3: That remains to be seen. I feel like
1: I should say congratulations. I don't know why. (laughs) I should congratulate you for what the U.N. did. You know what? I'll congratulate you because you have been keeping us aware of that most important issue for so many years here on the Bradcast at Bradblog.com, etc. So Desi Doyen. Thank you very much for well, exactly thank you for that. saying
2: so. And it's important to recognize that, you know, this is only going to be the hard work that starts now. So we're going to continue covering this because this is going to be the biggest story of the 21st oh, century. Great. Here Sorry. I thought
1: we were done. <laughs> All right. Uh, my thanks to producer uh, Desi Doyen, as ever to booking goddess Cynthia Cohn and to my guest Ernesto Arce of KPFK News. We'll be back with you. Oh, our uh, our uh, GOP debate coverage should be coming up on the next thrilling episode. You're not going to want to miss that. If you missed any portion of today's thrilling episode, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com or via iTunes. You can drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. You can follow me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Blog. All right, that's it. Until next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world!